five, four, three, two, one. I don't even know what's happening. I'm in sport mode, and you're going to fly. Just exactly how awesome was that? The mighty, mighty Nissan GTR. You've got the Mustang, the Camaro, the Challenger, the Corvette, the Viper. America. Damn, I forgot the bananas. I love this Crash, bang, boom, loud noises. Hey there, boys, girls, ladies, gentlemen. This is the TopSpeed.com podcast. TopSpeed.com is your internet home for all the crazy, cool, and amazing automotive things that exist in this world. I am Christian Moe. Today we're going to take you on a magical auto journey. And uh, I am joined by Mr. Mark McNabb. Hello, Mark. Guys, what's up? How's it going? Okay, I would like to say that normally we should be joined by Justin, but... um. Google is giving us some technical difficulties today, and uh, for some reason Justin can't join the call. So he's working on things on his end, and he might be joining us a little bit later. But for now, it's it's just gonna be me and Mark, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna rock this hard. We're gonna Woo. rock out. Woo! Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We'll go ahead and get this part started it. here. Oh, that ah. looks yummy. I got a little bit of energy drink on my. Keyboard there. Oops. Oh, that's terrible. Isn't it terrible? Yeah. All right. Mm. I haven't been feeling terribly great today, so I'm gonna try to like pet myself up here. We. <laughs> terrible pep. Yeah. That's also you should you should not do that thing. Because there was all sorts of noise in the microphone. That's you know. The wind from my supersonic hands flying around. The wind from oh, the no, that was probably me tapping this. We should probably get started on some cars. I was just about to say, why don't we move into some weekly wheels? Yeah, just, uh, or Justin. Justin's not here, so I guess we don't care what he's driving. Christian, what are you driving? Uh, I had a Lexus hybrid, and oh. this one didn't suck. Wow, what was it? Uh, I had a GS450H. Ooh. So the, the the Lexus sedan line goes IS, ES, GS, LS. So it wasn't the biggest, the biggest one. This is like the the five series ish one. And middle uh, management. Yeah, upper upper middle middle management. The thing with lots of flair. Thing wasn't cheap. Um, seventy thousand dollars after all the options. Oh. Yeah, but seventy thousand on the nose, not like seventy thousand one hundred and forty-eight dollars. Seventy grand right on the nose. Wow. Yeah, that's but cool. But so, um, Lexus GS hybrid uh, has the same hybrid system that was in the RX. So three point five liter V V six batteries, you know, CVT pieces that make them in the in the middle. But um, unlike the RX and the ES hybrid that I drove, this is not front wheel drive. It's rear-wheel drive, like all good luxury sedans should be. 
So um, immediately it was better to drive in every way. Um, you've got that sort of push feel. So when you're in a front-wheel drive car and you go to take off, you feel the car pull you along um, almost, and it's it's something that's a hallmark of cheaper cars. When you're in a nice luxury car, you want to be kind of wafted, which is something that a rear-wheel drive gives you because you sort of take off and the back end squats just a little bit more and you feel like a push instead of a pull, and it's a very nice luxury feeling. Um, of course, great interior, like all Lexuses tend to have. Um, you know, nice leather seats, leather dash... Uh, I had the bamboo look wood interior, which I love the idea of bamboo, but it looks super cheap in this thing. Really? All my all my paperwork says wood. It uses the words wood. It looks like a piece of plastic that they have literally painted bamboo like design Ooh. grain on. Yeah. And it's like <clears throat> everyone who got in said that same thing. Like, wow, I can't believe they used plastic wood. I'm like, it, it, it says on the paperwork, wood. I'm like, oh. oh. Well, oh. maybe it's just a really thin veneer, and it's coated in really thick plastic to protect it, you know. Maybe, yeah. And it is matte finish, so it's not... It doesn't have that really nice, thick, gloss veneer you get on, like, some, some other cars. Where, like, you have that half an inch of thick gloss that makes the grain sort of look 3D. It didn't, yeah. it didn't have that. So, um, it's fun to drive, though, because, again, rear-wheel drive of 338 horsepower. That's it's not what bad. Lexus says the combined total is here. Um, so, yeah, plenty of pep. It'll do the 0-60 to 60 sprint in, like, five and a half seconds. Hit a top uh-huh. speed of about 140. All right, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And the best part of it, and because this is my biggest complaint about all the Lexuses, is the suspension. There is a Sport Plus mode on this one that actually oh. fiddles with the suspension. Ooh, that's cool. Yes, this active variable suspension management system or whatever. But anyways, you turn the knob, and the suspension gets tighter. Um, But it's done intelligently. So, like, the suspension gets tighter, but the damping rates are still good. So when you make a turn, the car doesn't heave and hose so much. But if you hit a bump, you're still not going to, like, jostle around in your seat. You just sort of thump over it, and you're good. It's still comfortable. Well, that's good. So, I mean, it's it's... Intel, you know, it's smartly designed. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it, it's sporty in the right way. It's not like, look, I cut my springs and now I'm riding three inches off the ground and I go thunk thunk over everything. Yeah, it's, it's still luxurious feeling. You, I just don't get sick when I drive it. Um, and because of that, it never left Sport Plus mode ever. I get in it. That's the first thing I do. Like, start button, Sport Plus. <laughs> Um, so, so was it really boaty whenever it wasn't in Sport Plus? Oh, God, it was awful. <laughs> so it was just kind of like heaving and hoeing all over the interstate? Well, it's, that's, and, and that's a Lexus thing. Like, the ES did it, the RX did it. They all have that super soft, luxurious suspension that's yeah. supposed to Because that's what a lot of people every want. imperfection. Right. That's what and, people and, want and, in this yeah. category. People who, who buy that car want that, but that's why I tend to prefer a BMW or an Audi when looking for a luxury car, simply because I like their tire suspensions because I get motion sick. So um, this was great because I still had all that Lexusness about everything, but uh, I had a better suspension. So like I loved driving it, and even though I spent every single mile except for one small fuel economy test I did, um, in Sport Plus, the fuel economy numbers were great. So I did do a 26-ish mile drive 
a little bit of city, a little bit of highway, a little bit of country back back roads in eco mode, trying to get the best mileage I could out of it. And I got like 35. Sticker says 30, 34 highway. That's really not bad. Right. And unlike the RX, it's like, hey, I'm at sticker. Yeah, that's good. And I'm pl- I mean, that's a big car. It so is in order car. to get that kind of mileage out of that big of car, I mean, the, the hybrid system's doing its job. That's really impressive. It really is. 35 MPG, that's Right. Well, that's it gets applaudable. better. So it, the, the sticker says 29 city, 31 combined. I said I left it in sport mode all the time. Never came out of sport plus ever. I still got 30. That was that was my final total after wow. 400 and some odd miles. 30 on the nose. I I can't I can't complain about that. Yeah, I was I was like, "Wow, thank you. Thank you for not being terrible." I mean, seriously, wow. it was good everywhere. Back seat was comfy, had uh, little sun blinds that you could raise on the sides of the windows, mm-hmm. had a power one in the back, plenty of trunk space. Up um, oh, Justin says no dice. He's 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 not going to be able to join us, guys. So Sorry oh, about well. that. But, yeah, um, I wish the car wasn't $70,000, but that's very competitive in the price range of the 5 Series diesel and that sort of stuff with all these options because I had every option. Um, it has auto-heated and cooled seats, which oh, I've never really? seen before. That's so odd. you can hit the button once, and it just has an auto light on the top, and if it's cold outside, it'll turn the seat heaters on, and when the car warms up, it'll slowly lower them down. Same thing if it's hot outside and it's hot in the car, it'll turn the seat coolers on, and it just sort of automatically adjusts it. Um, I didn't quite like the way it was auto-adjusting them, so I just left them on, and I did them yeah. manually. But it was cool that that's a feature. Yeah, I, I tend to not like automatic uh, HVAC controls, at least HVAC. Um, it just seems to, like, you know, I hate getting in the car, and it just blows me out. And, like, I feel like it doesn't need to be at that high at certain points, and it's like, it just, yeah. I want to be able to turn the knob and do whatever I want to do with the HVAC, so... Yeah, yeah, I, I usually set it. Yeah, it's like, okay, thank you for having an auto setting. I'm gonna set you to 68 degrees, and I'm gonna turn the fan to two, and I'm gonna leave it just right there. Yep, that's exactly how I do it, right there. <laughs> it's between like 65 and 75, just the range, and yep. just mess with the the fan controls. Yep. So, yeah. So yeah, um, I was I was super happy about it. The uh, review goes live today at 5 p.m. Um, I did a new type of video for this review also, so if you guys are interested in that, I'd really appreciate it if you'd check it out um, and give me some feedback. Um, I had to build some new camera equipment to get this type of video done, so I'm interested to see what you guys think think about it and see if we should still do that. But um, let's stop talking about my uh, little Lexus and let's talk about something that I'm more intrigued about, uh, what Mark was driving. Well, you know, okay, so middle, we're talking like middle management here. Well, middle management with like six kids. He needs his car, all right? So I was in the 2014 uh, Infiniti QX60, which is kind of a, I guess it's the uh, the two down from the top level SUV from Infiniti. So it's basically a Nissan Pathfinder well, but it's the old JX. Is, is what it used to be called. It's JX. Okay, yeah. So it was new for 2013, and it was called the JX. Then for 14, Infinity totally revamped their whole lineup of, of nomenclature, and this is now the QX60. Um, so yeah, it's basically the same car. Nothing's changed, but it just has a new name. Um, so for what that's worth, there you go. Um, there is a hybrid model available, but mine was not the hybrid model. It came with a 3.5 liter V6 and all-wheel drive, which was cool. But anyway, so it's, think of it as like the Chevy Suburban versus Cadillac Escalade. 
have the Nissan Pathfinder and Infiniti QX60. So it's, uh, it's I, I do think the, the QX is a little bit longer though. I think it's the same platform. It is. It is the same platform. Yes, but uh, it basically has the same bones as the as the Pathfinder. So it has the same like three row seating system, everything like that. I mean, it's a really a nice system for getting people in and out of the back seat. And I hauled some people uh, and junk and crap uh, over my week with the car. In fact, uh, it was it was actually really handy that I had the car that week. Um, like I say. Two seats in the back, third row, three seats in the middle, and then two seats up front. Uh, everything was really, really comfortable. Um, if you didn't need all three rows, you could put the back seats down, have room for luggage, and scoot the second row back. And then uh, you could actually tilt the seats back and have you know really nice legroom, really nice uh, you know reclined seating. I had the theater package, so I had the double screens in the headrest and the front seats. Nice. Yeah. Um, massive sunroof up front, and then a fixed glass panoramic roof over the second and third row seats um, with a power sun change, which was really nice. Um, what else did I have? It was it was really decked out. I mean, this car had a lot of stuff. Um, what kind of interior trim did you have? Mine was like the Mocha Brown Espresso Leather. Um, let's see what they call it. Uh, Java. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Perfect. Did, you, did you have any wood in it? Yeah, it had some wood. Uh, the wood looked uh, pretty pretty realistic, but it wasn't like... Obviously, wood. Um, and there's there's other cars out there that I think do the whole wood thing better, but this one wasn't bad. Um, okay, and it good. also had some like plasticky trim parts and stuff that were kind of like satin chrome. Um, so I mean, yeah, it was decently pointed. Um, I know Infinity and Nissan's uh, MO for interior trim is a little on the thinner and plasticier side of stuff versus some of the other automakers, but I mean, it, it was a decent car inside. Well, I was just I was just wondering because um, hands down the favorite bit of trim work I've ever had in any car came in in Infinity. It was the FX thirty seven. So now it's the QX seventy. Yeah. Um, the slightly bigger two row sporty looking one. Yeah. Um, that's the QX seventy. Yeah. And it had flamed maple wood trim that was in a sunburst color. So so basically think like a cool Les Paul guitar, how it's got like the wood that's in like stripes that come out from the middle. And yeah. then it's got like bright red trim on the outside and the paint and like the veneer sort of fades to an orange in the middle. Yeah. Like, that's what the trim work looked like on this car. It was stunning. Wow, I mean, that's cool. No, mine didn't look like that. Absolutely stunning. And yeah, I was just wondering. It's the Best trim I've ever seen on any car, and then I just got it that one time, and like I've never seen it again. I'm like, oh man, I want yeah, more no, of that. It wasn't that cool. Um, but I mean, otherwise, it was a pretty good car for hauling people. Um, it did have the the 3.5 liter V6, um, which felt really underpowered, especially when made into that CVT. Um, it yeah, basically it was, was just ad- just adequate, just adequate. Like it it moved things around. Um, I did put it in manual mode, uh, sport mode, a couple times, and if you're on it, it will move. Um, it does feel more nimble the quicker you drive it. So, like, just driving it around town and stuff, it feels kind of ungainly, but as soon as you, like, really try to push it, everything th- seems to kind of tighten up a little bit on it. So um, I will give it that. Um, it, it was a pretty good performer the times that I really pushed it. So uh, Well, that's kudos. good. Yeah, kudos to that. However... One thing that, that did not improve at all was the gas mileage on the sucker. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So, the sticker listed at 29 at um 
19 city, 25 highway, and 21 combined. My average was 18.9 all week. Uh, that's all week. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it requires premium fuel. And see, I, I I think that's a problem that a lot of these companies are starting to run into. It seems by putting smaller engines in, because like, look, it's a smaller engine, we'll get better EPA ratings. Like, well, yeah, no. but it's a smaller engine. I'm constantly beating on this thing to get moving anywhere, get so moving, I'm actually yeah. using more fuel. Yeah, I that's I mean not to change the topic, but that is exactly why Corvette stuck with a, a you know six point two liter V eight because they could do active fuel management. Cut half the cylinders and still have a a 3.1 liter four cylinder uh, yeah four cylinder and move the car along nicely and that's why it gets 28 miles a gallon of a 465 horsepower car. Right. Well, and so, it's also like even even Toyota figured figured this out from the first or sorry I guess from the second gen Prius to the third gen Prius. Um, so like the first model that we know now and the second model that we know now, they bumped the engine from a 1.5 to a 1.8 because having a little more horsepower, a little more torque in the engine actually used less battery juice to take off moving and it was able to move the car better at highway speed. So you got better fuel economy that way. It's like just, yeah, yeah. And I still don't understand why Nissan hasn't moved that 3.7 that they have into everything because they have the th- the 3.7 now. They made yeah. it for the 370Z. Then they moved it into basically everything else, you know, like they have it in the QX70 now. It comes with the 3.7 instead of the 3.5, and it just seems like a waste to keep using the old 3.5 motor. Yeah, I mean, it just it just seemed kind of coarse, but I mean... Uh, well, you're going to get that in all those VQ, VQ motors there. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I mean, this thing was totally decked out. Sticker price for mine was $57,240. Um, and that's off the base price of forty-two thousand. So fourteen thousand dollars worth of options included: technology package, theater package, touring package, illumination, kick plate package, premium package, and premium plus package. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, which I mean, that that's entire actually, column, that entire column is the options list. But like, all that makes me think is okay. So if I get an Acadia, Denali. I'm gonna spend fifty-five grand. Yeah, one with CDs and stuff in it. Would you rather have that over the Acadia? Well, I can't offer a fair opinion of that because I haven't driven the Acadia. Oh, so I've not driven that, but I can tell you from every other Infinity machine that I've driven and just been in, I like the way Infinity trims out their cars better than the way the Acadia Denali was when I drove it. But I've not driven the new one because there's an all-new one. The last one I drove was 2013 or whatever when it was still the yeah. old one. Um, and yeah. it's like I would rather have an Infinity. And you said what was your final price on that, 52? 57. Oh, 57. Okay, so it's two grand more. Yeah. So. But I, I will give it this. It does have the nice uh, automatic um, cruise control system, lane departure, blind spot, backup, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it it, it is a nice car, um, and I did uh, enjoy that automatic cruise control and stuff like that. So I mean, it was it was really nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, thumbs up for that that part. Um, I just wish it got better better mileage. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's not exactly great fuel economy at all. Um, that's like when you first said fifty some thousand. I'm like, wow, I would I would have that and save the ten thousand dollars instead of the Lexus. And I'm like, you know what? Fuel economy. I mean, 18.9. 10, 
Ten grand will buy a lot of gasoline, though. A lot. All right. Um, I guess we'll give people a quick taste of next week. What do you have this week? Uh, <laughs> an Altima. Okay. So yeah, but, you've got an Altima. But next week, next week, I'm, I'm going to be talking about the Audi A3. Oh, so that's – wow. That's super – I'm a little pissed off and jealous at you. Um, I God, I love Audis. Um, yeah. I've got a Outback, so I'll be talking about oh, Outback next week. What did you have last week? Lexus. I'm oh, only okay. one week behind. Yeah, well, I've, I've been busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you get to drive more cars than I do because you go on all these trips, jerk. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Sorry, so, anyways, um, Justin was going to talk about the new Acura ILX or TLX. Wait. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious to hear about that one, so I'm ILX. looking forward to to that one. Yeah, he hasn't talked to me about it, but I'm not sure he's gonna say good things, because it's basically just a nice Civic, and it's it's an a crossover there. Night. No, no, no. The the ILX is just their new small car. Oh, I thought we were talking about something else. So no. Never mind then. Yeah. So, so he has the Acura ILX, and it's basically just a rebadged Civic. But the last time they rebadged a Civic, we got the RSX, and that thing was awesome. But now we've got just a Civic, and it's apparently really expensive. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't think he's gonna have nice, nice things to say. But if we get him on next week, we'll talk about it then. Yeah, hopefully so. Come on, Google. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna jump into some news, and I have to get a prop. Uh-oh. So, um. <laughs> If any of you guys paid attention to the site, I did something fun two weekends ago, and I actually did a live stream of it that you can find on the internet. I built this thing. It's a Mini Cooper made entirely out of Legos with a removable roof, and there's a bag of the few extra pieces it came with, and my Lego piece remover. But um, it's a Mini Cooper, classic, uh, and it's in British green. But the uh, hood opens, and it's got, like, a full engine up in there, and the doors open, and they did a full interior look. It's got plaid seats. I have a shift knob that moves. I have an e-brake handle here in the middle that moves. And the trunk opens, and there's a picnic kit in there. Wow. This is insanely awesome. So people think, like, why would you bother playing with some Legos and stuff, but it's... Don't think of it like a toy, especially something like this. This is 1,100 pieces, and it costs $100. This is a model kit. That's that's what this is. It's a model kit. Just like you would buy a plastic model kit from Ryder or whatever, and you'd paint it and glue it together. This is that same general idea. It is a model. It has a full chassis you had to build underneath it. It has rolling wheels with period-specific rim designs. I mean, it's it's a model not just a toy. So if you think about it in that way, it's actually sort of really cool and fun. But uh, we did a video on this. Um, You can watch me build the whole thing. It takes me about five and a half minutes to build the whole thing in the time lapse I did. took me about three hours to do it in real time. Uh, But yeah, super cool thing that LEGO does. Uh, Big thank you to them for sending this out. Uh, We are working on getting some more LEGO kits that we can build and we're trying to get smaller versions of those that we can do giveaways. So if you guys are interested in some small Lego kit build things, we may be able to help you out. And um, here's a teaser of what that might be. Ooh. So yeah. Is that, is that like a tumbler? 
Uh, I don't know what it is, but we're going to just leave it at that. So there may be a big version of whatever I just had to do a piece on, and there may be some small versions that are identical to the one I just had that we'll be giving away on the site if everything works out. So that's something I'm working on for you guys because I like to give cool things away. Hot stuff. Yep. So now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and do actual news. Uh, we're going to start with an Audi TT SUV thing. Yeah, so um, this is my piece. I, uh, I I wrote this one up. So um, we have heard in the past that Audi is going to be expanding the whole TT lineup for the next generation uh, basically because they want to make more money. Um, and the first concept we have seen is the TT off-road. And think of it like a TT but with four doors and a jacked-up suspension with big tires. And um, it looks really cool. But it just seems a little impractical. Um, but we basically know it's going to happen um, because, I mean, you know, we've heard reports from uh, people at Audi saying this will happen, and we're gonna we're gonna make this, and this isn't gonna be the only model that's gonna come out. So um, we can expect, uh, you know, a bunch of different stuff. You read the article, find out everything. But I mean, it's 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 there. It's coming. Um, I just. I don't really know what quite to think about it yet because it just looks so different. I like it, but then I don't. Chris, what do you think? Um, I think BMW is ruining the automotive industry. Yeah, because we're niche marketing everything. Yeah, so right now BMW and, – and so in the SUV market to begin with, I think there are too many machines. Bentley's coming out with an SUV. There's know, probably right? eventually going to be a Lamborghini SUV. They're talking about doing an Aston Martin SUV. Like there's, excuse me, everybody wants an SUV. And then BMW goes, hey, we're going to make a 5 Series and a 3 Series. And then we're going to make ridiculously pointless, impractical, coupe-style versions of those things yeah. that are worse in every single way and charge more money for them. And they sell. And so every other car maker in the world is trying to get some of that BMW money. Yeah. So now I'm going to have an Audi TT that's going to be turned into a freaking off-road machine somehow. Like, I just... Which, I even looking at the pictures of it, it doesn't even look like it's going to be that good off-road. I mean, like... But none of the them ground are. Clearance, they're not supposed to be that good I mean, off-road. They're just supposed to be big and safe. I mean, maybe this thing would do well on snow. That's what I could see. I could see this being, like, an excellent winter vehicle. I bet you it'll be terrible because it'll be an Audi, so they're going to fit it with 20-inch rims that are 19 feet wide, and so the rubber's going to be too wide to cut to cut through the snow properly. <laughs> it's oh, terrible in every way. Rims. Please, people stop buying these things, and if you stop buying them, they'll stop making them, and the world will become a better place. Spy Hellcats. Yes, buy buy Hellcats and Miatas. More Hellcats. Buy nine 911s. You want a great winter car? Get an all-wheel drive 911. Seriously, if you slap a set of winter tires on that, it will beat a Range Rover up any snowy hill you want it to. That's, that's, that's what we need. Well, that and it's got all that weight on that back, back axle, so it has great traction. It's a people's car. Yeah, it's the real people's car. Go buy a 911. <sighs> anyway, um, you were going to argue with Justin about some Miata specs, so do you want to give your side of the story? Um, yeah, so, okay. There is a 
rumor, a little leak out there that is apparently the Australian market specialist machine. Yeah. And uh, so this is from a site called Motoring. Sorry, it's Motoring Australia. Um, they're saying 1.5 liter Sky Active with 128 horsepower. Um, that is terrible. And I don't think that's going to happen. Um, okay, sure. Maybe it might happen in, in Japan. It might happen in Europe. Maybe Australia. That will not make it to the United States, period. Mazda knows that there's a specific kind of market that buys the, the Miata and that it's not a horsepower-oriented market. But at the same time, you can't bring a car that has that much less horsepower than the old version. It's just yeah. not going to happen. That's like a that's like a paperclip to a gunfight. Yeah, I I still think that we're going to get the two liter that's already in the Mazda three, which already makes like 156 horse, horsepower. I see Honda tuning it up just a little bit to be like 175, and that will give us a better power to weight ratio than any other Miata that they've ever ever created. Not by a huge margin, but by enough that they can say this is the fastest. It has the best power to weight ratio of any Miata we've ever built, and that'll be enough to sell it because that will make it handle better. That will make it faster. That will make it better in every way that we need it to be better, without being so powerful you ruin the idea and feel of a Miata. So I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I know that uh, you know Miata has offered different engines in different markets. Um, you know. But the states has always had the bigger engine, uh, so hopefully that happens, and you know we don't we're not stuck with a little puny thing that won't make it up a hill. Seriously, if they come out with a 1.5 that only has 128 horse horsepower, that thing is never going to sell ever. It no. is going to languish on lots, and anyone who owns an NC Miata of the current generation, your values are just going to shoot through the roof. Yeah, because anyone who wants a Miata, that's going to be the one they're going to want to buy. So yeah. Please. Plus no hardtop. You know what? I'm totally okay with that. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the power retractable hardtop on the one that I got to drive, and I love how they got it to fit in the same pocket that didn't take up any trunk trunk space. But it's it adds weight, it adds complexity. Yes, but some people aren't into the whole club rally racing, and all they want to do is have a nice two door coupe that they can take on a road, and if it starts raining, they can put the top up and be fine with it. Well, so that's the thing, is the top, the, the soft top on a Miata has always been fantastic, and you can put it up, especially on the new ones, the the NC with with one hand. You literally just pull over, reach back, and it weighs so little you can just pull it up, and there's a single latch in the middle to latch it. That's it. Um, this will be the same design, I guarantee it, and it's light and easy enough that you can do it with one hand. And I think Miata's kind of trying to get away from the market that wanted the power hardtop to begin with. This car is much smaller. This is the second smallest Miata they've ever built. It's only just like a little bit bigger than the original generation Miata, like in wow. lengthwise and, and, and stuff. So, yeah, the NC, when they created it, was sort of a larger, more portly, more comfortable we want this to be a semi-grand touring kind of machine because that's what we think the market wants. And they have sold well, but it's not a traditional Miata buyer that was picking those things up. Um, and in fact, the guys at Flying Miata were talking to me about this when I was there with, with, with them, you know, asking them why they had so many more performance parts for the first two generation cars the, than they did the current generation car. And he said it's because the people who want the performance cars 
are the first two generations. People who bought the third generation car are more like what you would expect Corvette customers to be. They didn't want so much yeah. performance parts. They wanted chrome rings for their headlights. They wanted nice little bits and bobbles. They wanted rim choices. Like they, they want things that make the car look prettier. They wanted a little bit of interior stuff. They didn't want a you know a three inch suspension lower. They didn't want you know all this extra horsepower stuff. There, there are still those people out there, but a lot of the people who bought those cars, especially the hardtop versions, were just older people who were just looking for kind of a just a doodle around car. Or you know they didn't they didn't want a real performance machine. And I think Mazda is trying to get back to the performance machine that is the Miata. Well, if that's their reasoning, then I think that we're going to get the bigger engine. Uh, we have to get the bigger engine. Mazda, I love you, but I will set fire to things if that car shows up with a 128 horsepower 1.5. I'm just, I'm just going to Molotov cocktail every dealership I drive by. Just, just, bah! Well, if that starts happening, I think we have video evidence that incriminates you. You can warn the Homeland Police or whatever. I don't care. Don't do this to me, Mazda. I love you. Don't make me hit you. Don't do it. Creepy eyes. Don't do it, Mazda. Overly attached <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah, overly attached girlfriend. Don't do it, Mazda. I know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's you know what? Let's talk about some some fuel economy stuff because you were in something that got terrible gas mileage and it was kind of a fun. I was in something that was kind of fun but got really good gas mileage. But um, what if we wanted something that's like super, super fun and wanted pretty good gas mileage for being super, super fun? Um, hmm. Let's think about this. I mean, how about the Hellcat? Nah, there's no way that could make it bad in mileage. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no way. You know what? It's got to get single digits, right? There is no way a Hellcat could get better fuel economy than your V6 SUV. That only makes... 265 horsepower. There's no way. Right? Right? <laughs> Wrong. No, this is so awesome. Oh, it makes me so happy. And I just totally... Yeah, my... Because <laughs> that's how excited I am. 707 horsepower, and it gets 22 miles a gallon on the highway. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That just makes me happy. Yep. And oh, it doesn't hey, even oh. have cylinder deactivation. I know, but wait, I've I've got to address a few chat chat things. So yeah. Cyprian says I can't put skis on my 911. Horse crap, they sell roof roof racks, and yes, you can. I have seen them in Florida with yeah. surfboards. You can put all kinds of things on top of a nine 911. You get a big rack on top, and you could put anything up there. I've seen people do rally in unmodified 911s. They ripped off the front bumper, put on some some knobbly tires, and they take those things like desert rallies. You can do anything with a 911. It's amazing. I wish I had that kind of money to throw away at a rally car. <laughs> so uh, it was an older one. They took um, – there's – I've got to find that video. Maybe we can do a piece on it. It's like a 1985 911 SC. So it's an old air-cooled 911, and the guy has ripped off the front bumper, put four big hella lamps right on top of the nose between the headlights – and some slightly knobbly tires, and he is tearing it up through this big, like, desert hill climb course thing. There's all these, like, Baja trucks and stuff out there that are, like, struggling to make it up this hill. Maybe you see this 911 go all the way up and, like, bounce over the top. It's insane. Wow, I have to check that out. Yeah, I've got to find that video. It's the best thing in the world. 
Uh, okay, but you know, let's let's stick to the fuel fuel economy thing, uh, and let's talk about the Mustang. Yeah. So, um, big surprise, Mustang for the new 2015 model, um, they have lowered fuel economy expectations versus the old car. Do you have any information on that, Mark? Um, well, just a little bit. Um, so I know I know it was supposed to be Justin's piece, but yeah, maybe I can look something up. Did, <laughs> did we write that piece? I think we did. I don't know. We, but there's like a bunch of Mustangs to talk about. Uh, okay, first, okay, okay. The, the well, first reviews came out also. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about more so than fuel economy. Uh, so yeah, some of the um, uh, hard publications, magazines and stuff, have, have gotten their hands on the the actual 2015 Mustang. Um, I know that Motor Trend has the review for the 5-liter V8 uh, GT and the 2.3 liter EcoBoost uh, on their website right now, and um, things are a little shocking. Uh, Justin, have you? I mean, uh, Christian, have you read that piece at all? I've not read theirs. Okay. Um, I I so, I read the Road and Track like pre-review. They just posted up some initial thoughts, but that's all yeah. I read. Okay, so on the GT, basically, in a nutshell, the thing doesn't perform as well as like the Boss 302 last generation on the track. But it performs much better on the road. So the uh, independent rear suspension has smoothed things out for the road ride, uh, and it is a much better handling car at like seven tenths. But up to like ten tenths, it just doesn't handle as well. Now, granted, these might be pre-production models that they're testing, and things aren't quite worked out. But it seems odd to me that with such a highly anticipated car, that Ford would let someone have a pre-production car that wasn't ready yet. To be the first impression. That's so, just me. Okay, so here's what I would think about the handling. For starters, the live rear axle really only gave you issues if you hit like a bump mid, mid corner. Like if the track wasn't smooth and there was stuff like that, undulation would cause some real disruption in the, in the live axle. And then you also have the 911 problem, which is why is the 911 so good? Because Porsche's been building them for 60 years, and almost nothing has changed. Yeah. So after 60 years, you get really good at making that one thing really good. The Mustangs, except for the small Cobra that they did in like 2003 or whatever, that small run, all Mustangs have been live axle. And Ford has been working every year at improving them bit by bit by bit by bit to make them a little bit better and a little bit better and to make them handle better and all that stuff. So they've got you know 50 or 60 years of research into making this live axle car not terrible on a road course. You know, I think the and fact it worked that it's, well, it worked really well. Right. I think the fact that okay, this is the first major production Mustang that has an independent rear suspension, and their only complaint is. It's not quite as good. Could you imagine what it's going to be like in four or five years? Well, that's very, very true. However, there is one thing that holds the Mustang back, and that is weight. This thing is much heavier. This thing weighs 3,800 pounds in the GT form. So, I mean, that is kind of a detractor, and that's basically about 150 pounds more than the last GT. I and think what's really holding it back is it doesn't have 707 horsepower. Oh, that is a problem. Maybe the GT350 <laughs> will fix that. I don't know. What do you oh, think? Oh, man. Flat plane crank V8. Oh, <sighs> crap. <laughs> That's going to be ridiculous. Yes, it is. That's going to be a great, great car when that comes out. So, uh, But anyway, um, 
Another issue they were having with the car, the Mustang as a whole, was that it would start to push in the corners. I have a little bit of an understeer. The GT has enough horsepower and torque that you can fix it with a throttle. The EcoBoost, on the other hand, however, does not have that, and so you kind of have to live with understeer in the corners until you are able to build boost enough to get through it. So that, um, Carlos Laga from Motor Trend says that is his issue with the EcoBoost. And with, there was another guy that drove the GT. So, uh, yeah, it looks like weight is a little bit off. Um, suspension quite isn't as dialed as it, as it could be and likely will be when it hits showroom floors. Um, you know, then again, they are making them already, so... Um, right. Well, you know. I think I think that they've probably made the smart choice, though, because if you think about the amount of people who track their Mustang, it's, it's, it's probably about six, maybe maybe seven people who, who, who do, like, road tracks, road courses with their yeah, Mustangs. Yeah, like 0.1% of the people who buy a Mustang do right. this. Right. Yeah. So, so, so the fact that they can say on the road when you're bombing it around a back road, it's far better than the old system. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably where it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would think so too. Um, you know, but of course in our business the car sucks unless it can go all out at ten tenths, and people don't want to hear anything other than that. So, uh, but yes, for your everyday driving, the car is going to be much more compliant. It's more comfortable. Uh, the engines um, still do their job. You know, the the Coyote V8 is is probably one of the best engines out there. The V8 it just sounds good too. So five O is a really good engine. Ford did what a good beast. job on that thing. Yeah. I mean, it took them like 47 years to replace that terrible Ford the 4.6, but oh my gosh, when they when they did, yeah, they did a they knocked it out of the park on that. So, but anyway, um, you know, we have new stuff like active cruise control and um, collision mitigation and package and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, boring safety crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, cool. So that's our Mustang news. All right, so yeah, if you're interested in a Mustang, reviews are coming out now. Yeah. Um, let's talk about how a man named Sergio is going to try and ruin Ferrari. Um, so are they going to build an SUV too? <laughs> God. So since we're going to Americanize Ferrari, here's here's what I secretly kind of hope could happen. Maybe if if Sergio wants to do all this terrible crap to to the amazing prancing horse that is Ferrari, create a new brand, call it Dino. Ooh. And you could because they've used the Dino name before. It was one of Enzo's sons. Um, make just a whole brand Dino, and then use that as like your Bentley competitor if Fiat needs to have a Bentley competitor, because they've got Maserati right right now. But if you don't want to turn Maserati into a Bentley competitor and make an SUV Maserati and all this stuff, make make just 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 make a new brand. But anyways, Marcion has already said, so Sergio Marcion, the CEO of uh, Fiat, yeah. who is yeah. now taking over Ferrari as Luca de Montezemolo steps down, has already said, I am raising production. So as we know, uh, Luca was very adamant. He's like, we're going to do 7,000 cars a year, period. That's it. We are limiting production, and then to make extra profit, they're just going to increase prices a little bit. Um, and that made Sergio very, very unhappy. Because um, apparently they can very easily sell 10,000 cars per year. So that's, you know, a, what, a 52% increase or something? It's, it's, it's a large amount of money. But I'm worried about it. Because one of the words that was thrown around with increasing output was LaFerrari. 
So if any of you guys pay attention to LaFerrari, you know there's only 499 of them. One less than 500, and that's all they were going to make. And that's part of what makes it special. If you compare prices between the 918, the P1, and the LaFerrari, LaFerrari is far more expensive. And part of that comes, the fact that they can sell it that way comes down to the badge and the exclusivity. There's almost a thousand 918s that they're going to make. I think there's well over a thousand P1s they're going to make. And there's only going to be a hair under 500 of these LaFerraris. So that made them special and harder to get. And Ferrari, you had to be invited to buy one. Like we have that story about the guy in the Philippines who bought like three other Ferraris just so he could be eligible to be asked to buy a LaFerrari. No other car company in the world can demand that kind of, I guess, buying power from its customers than Ferrari. And I think going, well, we're going to make 10,000 of these things a year, and we're going to bump up production of this super limited-run car. We're going to make as many as we can sell, and all that sort of stuff is just going to ruin everything. I agree. I think that's going to really hurt uh, the brand image. Um, and I think that you know, by limiting this stuff, it makes it so much more powerful because it's it's almost like this mythical status, you know. It but by really making is. it making it like the Lamborghini Gallardo of the Ferrari is definitely not the way to go. You know, no. you don't you don't want to do that. I so. mean, it's just. But hopefully, oh, hopefully, God. by he means you know ramping up production. Maybe he just. He doesn't mean the La Ferrari, and hopefully they'll, they'll still keep the 499 cap because that would really, really, really piss off La Ferrari owners who already have their car. Right. Could you well, imagine paying and, that much money for a car that you thought was going to be limited? And then becomes and but they're also going to run in, run into this issue like are they going to do a recall so they can change all the badges on the dash that say X number of 499, <laughs> or or like are you going to buy one that says your badge says 517 of 499? <laughs> Although Maybe actually just... Porsche did that with the 918, um, all their prototypes and press cars are given actual VIN numbers and actual production numbers, just like the normal cars, but they're numbered after. So like all their badges say 000 of 918 that they're making, but um, when you look at their VIN number, so the VIN number is set up in a very specific way, and then you get your build numbers. So it's the big long VIN number, and then the last couple digits are the build number, so it'll end with, you know, 306 if you had the 306 918 built. But the VIN numbers for their press cars and for their prototype cars are above that. So there's like 919, 920, 921, 922 of 918. That's yeah. all good, you know? I thought that was kind of a fun little fact. That's really cool. Um, gosh. Oh, uh, so also a little, a tiny bit more Ferrari news. Um, as his act as chairman of Ferrari, Luca is overseeing a brand new 60th anniversary model. Um, so Ferrari has been in the United States for 60 years this, wow. this year. And to celebrate, for like what seems like the only time ever, there's this very special super limited edition supercar that's only for the United States. Because usually it's only cool things really? only in Europe. But uh, it's gonna. We, we don't know a lot about it other than it's the 60th anniversary edition. It's going to be based on the F12 probably. It's going to be more than $3 million, and it's probably going to be super sexy and super fast. Wow. Yeah, just count me out of that. I, um, I'll save my three mil for something else. Yeah. You know, I think I might buy two. Yeah. I think there's only going to be like five or six. Like, like It's going to be a very small number of them made. And, uh, I'm That's in my two. It's probably, it's probably going to be wheels, 
paint, uh, interior, and 10 horsepower more. I, <laughs> That's what it's going to be. No, so... F12 plus. From, from, from everything we're getting, like it's going to be a fairly dramatic body change. I think it's going to be more like that um, F12-based TRS limited one-off thing that we did a story of a few weeks weeks ago. Yeah. Weird, super cool convertible target thing. I think it's going to be more along those lines. Um, I mean, this is Ferrari. They can make anything that they want to, and they're going to charge $3 million for it. So it's going to be a little more special than some rims and some paint. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, we got one more newsy thing to talk about if you want to talk about some Hennessy stuff. Yeah, yeah. So especially, you know, talking more about rims and paint, uh, Hennessy does not do that. Hennessy is uh, known Go for fast. their horsepower. Or what? Go fast. Go fast. Yeah, so Hennessy has teamed up with uh, the auto dealership uh, conglomerate. So if you have a Chevy dealership that's run run by AutoNation in your area, you can now have Hennessy performance parts put on your car. And this counts for the Silverado, the Corvette, the Chevy SS, the Camaro, the Tahoe, and the Suburban. So basically anything with the, the LS V8 in it. And um, the Supercharge put in it. And to help celebrate this and get the word out, Hennessy is rolling around the United States uh, with a supercharged um, Silverado pulling a Corvette that is also supercharged around all these dealerships. And it's pretty fantastic uh, to celebrate, you know, they kind of did this. And they have this whole video of, like, time-lapse of them actually putting the equipment on the cars. And it's so awesome to watch. You know, watch these guys work and how, you know, the whole thing just gets put, put together. So, um, you know, check that story out. It's really cool. So that's yeah. all there is to that. Yeah, short and sweet. Still fun, though. Yeah. Supercharged. I secretly hope now that you can get Hennessy performance parts on your LS cars at a de at a dealership. I know it won't happen, but in my brain I'm like, ooh, maybe if I get a Chevy press car with an LS engine in it, I'll get a Chevy press car with Hennessy upgrades. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, it'll never happen, but I can yeah. dream, can't I? You could. You could. Or what you could do is go to the dealer and be like, can you put this on here for the week, and then I'll be back to take it off. Can you spend five days putting a supercharger kit on this car so I can bring it back to you and ask you to take it apart in two days before it's got to go back at the end of the week? Perfect. I'll just drive it once. I'll just do like a big donut in the parking lot and then pull it back in the shop. Okay, now take it all off. I'm very time limited. Yes. So, so that is our news. We hope you guys enjoyed the wonderful news stories we had today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move to our questions and answers. Um, questions and answers are fun this week. Yeah. Uh, so huge thank you to everyone who gave us questions because we like this, and you gave us some fun questions. Uh, don't forget, when you want to ask us questions, you can ask us anything you want to. It doesn't have to just be a supercar-related question. It can be stuff about our jobs, things like that. You know, like uh, We've got one on here asking um, about a coast-to-coast -coast drive. Like, I mean, it can be things that don't have to be super specific. You don't have to ask us what car your mom should buy or anything like that. Just ask us anything you want to, and we'll do what we can about answering them. Yeah, we're not going to answer tax questions or, you know, legal I issues. I mean, or... I'll answer a tax question. It's probably going to be wrong. <laughs> sure. Itemize and deduct some. That's my tax answer. Sure. I know so anyway, what's our first question? Um, our first question comes from Kirby91. Um, Kirby91 says, great episode. Thanks. You're and that uh, we kind of already talked about this a little bit. It says, regarding the events at Ferrari, I think we might be witnessing the start of Ferrari's downfall. Mm -hmm. What do you think will happen 
with Luca. He is definitely a very valuable person to have, plus he might have some valuable info to share. So um, I will start by saying he does not have any valuable info to share, and there will be lots of contractual stuff that happens. And if he goes to another company and something happens at that company that is along the lines of something that was being created at Ferrari while he was working there, there will be massive, massive lawsuits, and people will be out billions of dollars. So uh, there are all kinds of non-compete clauses and all that stuff when people from high positions move to other companies. Um, to be fair, I don't know if Luke is actually going to do anything. There's been rumors of him moving to some racing companies and doing some other things. But the man is over 70. I think he's 73 now. He's, he's not a spring chicken. Um, so I think if he moves somewhere else, it won't be to be a super important role. I think as sad as it is for him to be leaving Ferrari, it might be a good thing. Um, you know, running a company is not exactly the most unstressful thing that you can do. Uh, so I'm I'm not sure if he'll go any anywhere. Uh, I agree. I think he needs to retire, sit in wine in Sicily, and just eat some bread. See, that's what I would do. Yeah, just take home a collection of Ferraris, live on the coast of Italy, and just enjoy the rest of your your years. I mean, that's that's kind of what the man. That needs. sounds like the ultimate life to me. Yeah. But uh, I do also agree that we could potentially be witnessing the downfall of Ferrari. Now, I won't say downfall, because Sergio's a very intelligent man, and I think Ferrari's too powerful of a name to just crash and burn yeah. into absolutely nothing. Yeah. But I do see the company losing the level of power that they have now, where they can force someone to buy three of their other cars just to be invited to buy one of their other cars. Yeah. You know, like, think about the FX program. You can buy a Ferrari FXX, which is a race car that you own and you never own. Ferrari keeps it. And then, occasionally, they will take it to a racetrack and invite you to come out and drive your car around the racetrack for the day. And then they take it back to the Ferrari headquarters. And they charged more than a million dollars for this thing. And they sold every single one of them. Like, that's the kind of power Ferrari has now, and I think that will go away if they lose their exclusivity. But, I mean, I I have to look at the other side of the coin, too. You know, Sergio, he is a really smart guy. Look at what he's done for Chrysler in the last five years. Oh, yeah, no. I think Chrysler Chrysler has gone from, like, the edge of oblivion to making some darn good machines. And the Fiat influence into those cars have done nothing but help. Um, I mean, look at like the Ram EcoDiesel. That's a that's a Fiat, you know, derived engine, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's Te- technically he's, it's kind he's, of straight. He's yeah. doing a lot of good things, and I think he has plans to make Ferrari a much more profitable company. I mean, they're going to start raking in the cash. I just worry how it's going to affect a lot of things, like. Are Ferraris going to keep setting records at auctions if nobody cares that a Ferrari is so special anymore? Um, are they going to be able to do these super ridiculous high-end, crazy limited-run cars like they did with the FXX program and like with the La Ferrari and all that stuff? Like, are going to care about buying those if that name isn't as special? So they may sell more cars and they may be a more profitable company in general, but. I think they're going to lose a lot of things that make Ferrari a Ferrari. Yeah, well, hopefully not. All right. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and move on. So thank you for the question, Kirby. Um, Darren007, hey, guys, if you had your own car company, 
how would you name the car you make? I don't know. Car companies today, it is absolutely ridiculous to hear about how they name cars. Like, all of these, uh, what are they called? Like, um, oh, where they get a bunch of people in and, like, what? Oh, uh, focus groups? Focus groups, and, like, they run the names past all these people. Is this offensive to you? What does it make you think of when you hear this name? Is it powerful enough? No, let's scratch that one. You know, and, like, crazy stuff. I don't know. I would probably do something like, because mine would be American, you know? Mine would be, like, the Chuck Norris. Yeah, but then you get sued by Chuck Norris. No, Chuck Norris would endorse it. <laughs> and I would have a hood emblem with Chuck Norris's mug on it. See, and you should do, like, the Spirit of Ecstasy on the Rolls Royce, but have it be, like, a you know, a Taekwondo kicking Chuck Chuck Norris. Yes. It's yeah, like, it just, like, flips cast out. from bronze. Yeah, flips out from under the hood. No, 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 like, no. No, it comes out at, it, it comes out at an angle, so it, yeah, so it spins out, so it, like, roundhouse kicks out. <laughs> <laughs> and no, unlike, unlike, you know, Rolls Royce, no one could take it off. Like, you could baseball bat it, and it would break your, you know, your... Baseball bat. Sword. Yeah. It'll be made of lightsaber material, so that anything that hits it will just disintegrate. You can, like, hit a bird and just... Yeah. You hit an, you, like, you could hit an 18-wheeler with my Chuck Norris car. And, and you slice it in half. The world would dissolve before this car got a scratch. <laughs> oh, gosh. Chuck um, Norris. I and do have somebody to else say... is going to come out with a Bruce Lee car. and it's Yeah. I'm not going to tell you which side of that debate I fall on. No, I know. Um, You're like Steven Seagal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Seagal is the answer for everything. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh. This is the Jean-Claude. And this is the Van Damme. That's actually Disney. really good. The Jean-Claude. Yeah, except it's a terrible name for, for, for an American car. Um, as you can see, Darren, we we would actually use names. I, I'm so tired of alphanumeric names. Yes. I just, I used to be okay with them when they actually meant things like BMWs, right? You know, or like a Mercedes. If you got, you know, an S five fifty, you had an S class with a five and a half liter engine. Like, I'm okay with that sort of stuff. Uh, Infinity, right? It used to be you had the JX and the QX and the EX and all that. So it's like I had an uh, FX, that was the other one. I had an FX 37. It was the FX, that was the model, and I had a 3.7 liter engine. <laughs> you know what? The Nissan 350Z has a 3.5 liter. The Nissan 370Z has a 3.7 liter. I'm okay with that. When I have an AMG C63 with a 5.5 liter, no. No. When you sell me an AMG C63 with a 6.2 liter, Piss off. Drives me nuts. So yeah, I would I would have names. Um, and I actually think I would like to make I if I had a car company, I would like to make roadsters. And uh, I would like to name them like people names. Like have a really square boxy sort of like muscle car roadster and give it a guy's name, like a Chuck or a Steve. 
And then you could make a... That's sexist. That would never fly. Well, but but it is a little bit. But, um, you know, I want it to be tough and buff and, like, put, you know, diamond plates, skid plates and stuff on it. And then then make it, like, the Steve. And then you'd have one that's a little smaller, a little rounder, a little more feminine. You could name it the Susan. That, or I kind of just want to make a whole line of cars and call them Bob, Bill, and Ted. Just have, like, a truck range and have, like, a compact truck, a half-ton truck, and then, like, a big heavy-duty truck and just call them Bob, Bill, and Ted. I like that. Could you imagine buying the Mo Automotive Bob? 1,500. <laughs> no, 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 not even 1,500, just the Bob. What you driving, Bob? That's right. Oh, I got a bill over there. My friend Jimmy, he's got all that money. He bought that Ted with the diesel. Ooh. That's swanky. Yeah, that's what Ted stands for. Truck. Excessively powerful diesel. Oh. <laughs> I don't I don't even uh, Alright, so I think we should move on to our next question. Yeah. Uh okay. So um this one would have been really good if we had Justin. But uh Hulty who isn't in our chat today, sadly, um, sadly, says, Hey, guys, if you three had to do a coast-to-coast drive, what cars would each of you pick? And we're going to break this into two choices. So it's going to be, if all three of us were going to go in our own car and have, like, a convoy road trip, what would we pick? And then if it was all three of us had to be stuck in the same car, what would we pick? So uh, I'll let you go first. <laughs> all right, if I was doing it myself, I'm just going to let you guess. Let you guess what I would pick. A Hellcat. Yes! <laughs> Marika, 22 miles a gallon, and it's got 707 horsepower. It's a perfect GT car. Marika. See, I will give you it's a better G- GT car than a sports sports car. Um, yeah. I would choose a Ferrari F12. Oh, I was going to think G- uh, GTR. but No, the GTR is not that comfortable. Um, yeah, I've done expensive. long road trips in GTR, but it's it, it's not the most comfortable thing. Um, I would I would do an F12 or an FF. I like the, the FF, FF with the hatchback nice. for space, but um, I love it's 730 horsepower of the F12. Yeah. The F the F12 is like the ultimate GT cruiser. But see, I mean, it's so low. I'd be afraid to like really try to take it places. Well, you know, it's whereas like the Hellcat. We're just, going on a cross-country drive. I'm not going to go actually across the country. I'm going to stay on know, a highway and things. I have. There are gas station ramps and stuff that are really messed up and low, and it just well, I don't yes, like, there, bottom out. There like, may be one or two issues where I hit like a weird tall speed bump or something, but the Hellcat's and, not exactly super tall either. Well, it's a lot taller than an L12. Have you seen them both side-by-side side in person? Yes, I have them in my driveway right now. Don't you know this? I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> I call it Hellcat. <laughs> anyway, what's your uh, what's your long uh, road trip car if we were all jammed in there together? Um, if we were all jammed in it together, I would probably do like a 12-person or like a 12-passenger van. No, that's anything, not exciting. Anything that would give me as much space as humanly possible so if I get tired of you guys, I can like, go all the way to the back. Like, like the the sprinter that I that I, I had on the gumball that had, like, seats and then, like, a completely enclosed, like, luggage area, I'd put some couches in the luggage area and be like, I'm tired of you. I'm going to drive for the next six hours. 
Go to the luggage area. There's a TV. Have fun. Um, I am. I'm not great with people in person a lot. So having something big enough where I could have space and not be like on top of each other for 18 hours a day would be ideal. Well, I could see that. At I'm thinking more. Three rows. So like one person in each row. Yeah. You ready for the right answer? Are you going to say Hellcat? Well, that wouldn't be a good answer, but no. Uh, <laughs> Audi Q7 TDI. So, okay. Q7 is a good choice. Yeah. Again, three, row. three rows. TDI. Um, it's the old TDI engine in it, though, as far as I know. So, it still gets better gas mileage than the Hellcat. Well, yeah, but... And gas mileage doesn't matter. Really We're having a road trip. It's fun. Right. Um, well, but I like the new engine better than the old diesel engine. It feels better. Well, you get the V12, you know, whatever. V12? Yeah, don't they make a V12 TDI? Oh, V10. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, man. If you could find an old Touareg with the V10 TDI... <laughs> you could pull 747s down runways. Yeah, you you wouldn't actually move when you went on your road trip. Your car would sit still in space, and the earth would rotate backwards underneath you until you got to where you were going. That's exactly how it works. Oh, man. Chuck yeah. Norris would be oblivious. <laughs> All right. Anyway, own, drive, burn. Yep, own, drive, burn, and we'll, and we'll wrap this up. Okay, so own, drive, burn this week comes from a guy named Paul Green. And uh, Paul Green's a terrible human being. Nobody likes him because our own drive burn this week are three cars that in many ways could be considered some of the first sort of supercars, um, at, at least the first really high-end sports sports cars. We have a Jaguar XK120, Mercedes-Benz 300 SL, and an Aston Martin DB4. And God, this is such a so easy, difficult thing. What? How is this easy? If it's so easy, you can go first. All right. Um, Jaguar XK120. Uh, I'm sure it's a very historical and important car, but I just don't like the way it looks, so I'm going to burn that one. Done. Uh, the Mercedes-Benz 300 SL is a beautiful car. Beautiful car. Going doors and everything. I would drive that once. And then, of course, you cannot live without the James Bond DB4. Except, it's not, except it's not James Bond. DB5 was the first James Bond. Oh, good. Well, yeah, it doesn't. It looks the same. So they do look similar. Would, I, I would have machine guns coming out of mine and, you know, road tax and oil and bombs and stuff. So, yeah. Plus, this one actually has, you know, uh, 2 plus 2 design, so you can put more people in it. So that's the one I drive every day. <sighs> so... Drops Mike. If it was a DB5... I would probably own that one. But I prefer the DB5 to the DB4 for more reasons that are so boring we're not ever going to even get close to getting into it here. Um, I would think... I feel slightly nauseous saying this. I would burn the Aston Martin. You suck at life. I do. I suck at life so bad right now. So bad. I am the worst human being who's ever lived. Um... I would drive the XK120 once, because uh, it doesn't have a top, so I don't want to own it. <laughs> um, but it's a great, great car. 
Um, and then I would own and drive and fight with the stupid door sill design every single day for the rest of my life, and that's what I would have as a 300 SL to own if the goal went. Except I would, I, I'm going to specify and say I want the uh, even more limited all aluminum one because I want it to be even even faster and lighter. Because that's, that's how cool. that's that's how I roll, homie. You know, I mean, the car that won the Pan America race, I mean, seriously, it's a sweet machine. Um, plus, it's German, so it's less likely to break than the two British British ones. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's like, look, I have an Aston Martin DB4. It ran once. <laughs> no. Lucas Electrics. <sighs> All right. Nothing can beat the Chuck Norris car, though. Nothing can beat the Chuck Norris car. All right, guys. So that was our show. Um, one quick, fun sort of little thing to say about stuff that's upcoming. Um, you may have noticed we have a couple pieces on Forza Horizon 2 that are on the website. I have my review copy sitting over there. Um, I have been playing the game. Now, I am bound by a non-disclosure agreement or an embargo until uh, two Thursdays from now? Uh, the 27th or so of, of September. So I can't tell you what I think about it or anything really. But um, next week, I will be allowed to stream some video from it. I'm allowed to stream one hour. And I can show you some certain things. So there may be a video with some footage coming out soon. But uh, until then, just know that if you have pre-ordered the game, um, don't be upset about your decision. Anyways, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I can say without getting in trouble. <laughs> I think that was, that was fair enough. Yeah, I, you know, that's people are interested in that sort of stuff. But, uh, yep, we have I, – I, I have the game in my possession. Like I said, the embargo is in a couple of days, um, and then a week before the embargo is up, like I said, next Monday morning at noon, I think, Eastern time, I can do some streaming, so I'm going to try and stream one hour. That's all I'm allowed is one hour. Um, and and we'll, we'll give you guys a taste of what that's going to be like. So, yeah, everyone, thank you for joining us. Um, as always, if you want to reach us, please leave your comments. Uh, we need questions. We need own drive burn suggestions. Uh, also, please let us know if we're doing good or bad. Um, if there's anything you've seen on the site that you would like us to do more of, if it's unique, if you think Mark's videos are good on his all of his reviews, please let us know that. We'll try and do more of his style reviews. Uh, don't forget to check out my new video that I have on our new review that goes up tonight. Let me know what you think about that. Thank you, little whoop, whoop. Yeah, you know. That was my impression of your your camera. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that guy. I, just I just don't feel good today. Yeah, I, I built a camera slide is what I built. So we have a more professional-looking video production that I have done for the Lexus, um, and I'm looking for feedback on that. Um, also, if you like the Lego thing, let me know, and we'll see about trying to do more Lego stuff and get you guys some Lego giveaways. Um, otherwise, I'm Christian Moe. You can reach me directly on the Twitters. I am at Moford. That is M-O-E-F-E-R-D. Uh, and then you can reach Mark on Twitter or preferably on the Instagrams. He is at Mark McNabb. Big M, little C, big N, A-B-B. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in and joining us. Thank you for everyone who joined us live. If you yep. didn't join us live, we still like you anyways, but try and make it to the live show. It's fun. We like having your questions and comments on the live live chat. 
And yeah. uh, we will see everyone next Thursday. Again, have a super awesome Friday. Have a super safe weekend. You know, if you roll your car 14 times because you're chasing after a Hellcat and it explodes and then you're no longer among us, then you can't watch our show, and that makes us sad. So yeah. stay alive. And don't blame me for being in the Hellcat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Actually, let's be honest. You don't have to chase a Hellcat. They can't move. You hit the gas and they just spin tires. Spin the earth. Yep. All right. Everyone have a super awesome weekend. Uh, yeah. We'll play some outro music and then we will be on our way. Bye, Peace guys. And Okay, we're done.